As you find your seats, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Romans 8, we're there, and uh, 2 Timothy 1. Hey, they say that today's a Super Sunday. Super Sunday, does anybody uh, really care about the game tonight? Um, all I know is that by God's grace, He loves us, He's for us, we're His uh, through His Son, so should not every Sunday be Super Sunday? And uh, um, I'm excited. Uh, I know that I'm going to eat more than I should tonight. My buddy's making the best ribs in the world. So, Bill, uh, glad you're here worshiping with us. Get back to those ribs right afterwards, all right? Let's get it. It's going to be awesome. Hey, also, by the way, Jack Michaels is 41 today. So, uh, yeah, yeah. All right, Jackie. He's getting up there. Is he back in here yet? So uh, make sure you tell him happy birthday. So it's uh, joy. That guy can sing. A few more weeks, he should be really good at it. It's amazing. Hey, we are, we are finishing up today a four-week uh, sermon series that I've entitled Averting the Spiritual Cliff. Um, we've looked at four things that God has given us through this amazing good news of the gospel, uh, the good news of Jesus Christ, what, what God has done for us, uh, sinners like us, through his, his son Jesus to uh, avert the spiritual cliff, if you will. And we're going to see that today... The amazing good news about what God has done for us in Christ Jesus is that he's given us power to live. I mean, power to, to really live, not just avert the spiritual uh, cliff, but to even flourish. Has anybody been to the Grand Canyon, that amazingly big hole in the earth? I mean, is the Grand Canyon something amazing? By the way, you never have to teach anybody how to respond when they see the Grand Canyon because it's always going to be the same thing. <gasps> it's amazing. And by the way, this is not even part of the notes or part of the sermon. This is extra stuff, no charge. When you come into the presence of God and see the reality of Jesus Christ, they too will have the same, even greater. <gasps> amazing what God has done. But it's funny, if you've been to the Grand Canyon, uh, my family and I went back in 2007, I think it was, and it will immediately tell you who's afraid of heights, right? And you got some, some who will just jump right out by the edge, and, and mom's saying, don't go too far, you know? And there'll be some, I'm not going to tell you which one of my kids, but there was one you kind of had to drag out there. Like every picture is like, <laughs> get this thing out of here. But, you know, the truth is, is if you live your life very close to an edge, a cliff, uh, you probably aren't going to be really living, will you? You'd probably be very, very cautious. Uh, you know, our, our family's sick enough that we bought that book, like How Everybody Died, you know, uh, in, the, in the Grand Canyon. They have a book like that. So we, we spend our time driving. Around, oh, hey, you guys got to hear this guy. He, he drove over the cliff, you know, or, or whatever. There's all these ways. And all that did is he really evoked more fear that we just kind of wanted to keep sliding a little farther back from the edge because who wants to really go over that cliff you know the beautiful thing about the gospel and what God has done for us is he doesn't want us to live our lives in fear of falling over the cliff I mean he's done so much more for us that that he wants us to live I mean I mean to sing to rejoice and to live without fear. You see, the gospel is the power of God to do two things that we're going to look at today. First of all, it's this. It's to live before God. I mean, God's holy, right? I mean, and God's without sin. And, and God is this being that speaks and everything comes into existence. I mean, talk about power. I mean, and God's a God who, who's so pure that he can't even look on sin. 
talk about holy. And so, and so how in the world can we live our lives before him without just cowering in fear like if we're on the edge of a cliff? But he's a God who's so tender and so amazingly good that he, he provides for us his son. And he says, listen, I don't want you to live like a cow and cowering before me. I want you to live like a son before me and really live. The gospel is so beautiful and it's so powerful of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ is he not only wants us to live before him as a son, he wants us to live for him in the world, not as a coward, not in fear, but with power, with love and self-control. This is what it's basically saying, that God has done something for us so amazing, it should change everything. I don't know about you, but my natural propensity is cowardness. My natural propensity could be fear. And God has said to us, listen, I want to do something. I have done something that's, that's so bold and good that I don't want you to live your life just fearing what you're just like on the precipice of failure. I, I wanna, I've done something so you can really dance. You could really live. Because that's what the gospel gives us, courageousness. Let's do a quick recap. We've had four weeks. The first week, we looked at the word transforming. We looked at that God's word say for us to avert this spiritual cliff that, that he tells us, lean in. He tells us to say, he says, now because of what I've done for you, now in light of my mercy, I want you to respond. And, and I, I don't want you to be conformed anymore to the world. If God loves you enough to send his son to come rescue you, if God loves you enough to have his son's blood shed for you, he's now saying, listen, I've given you something so much greater to live for than yourself. Un- unplug yourself from yourself and, and plug into me. And he says, unplug yourself from the world. Anything that robs life from you. The world offers so much and delivers so little. And plug into the good news of who I am. That was transforming. Be transformed. The second week we looked at flourishing. We looked at the reality for each and every one of you, whether you admit this or not, that God has made you in his image. And you have infinite worth because you reflect an infinite God. And because you are made in his image, man, are you you loved. And he's created you for a purpose, to know and love him. And he's created you in the environment in which you are in. But he's created you to flourish. That doesn't mean it's health, wealth, and prosperity that he's created us for that. He says, in him we can do all things. And whatever we find ourselves, listen to this, our circumstances shouldn't define us. Our relationship with him should. Because of that, we should flourish. The third, last week, we looked at giving. That we are to live our lives as a sacrifice. That we are to basically live our lives this way. Thanks, God. Thank you, God. And everything. Our our lives should be a living, thank you, God. Uh, Thank you letter to him. Why? Because we looked at what scripture tells us, which is pretty amazing. Listen. Everything that God requires from us, God provides for us. Did you hear that? I mean, that, that is just scandalously good. I mean, that is, that is like, are you kidding me? Say that again, Jeff, because it comes from God's word. It's true. Everything that holy God, everything that mighty God, everything that perfect, pure God requires from us as his image bearers and as his creators, he has provided for us in Christ Jesus. The sacrifice we need for our sin, he provided. The holiest we need to have relationship, he's provided all through Jesus. And so now we could live our lives just saying, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. And again, he says there's even more. And in the gospel of Jesus Christ, I want to give you a power to really live. 
Live before me, not in fear. Not as a slave. Live before me as a son. And live for me, not as a coward, but courageous. So that's where we are today. So let's look to God's word in Romans 8. We're going to look at two parallel texts. Paul, or the apostle Paul wrote both of them. To one, he wrote to the church in Rome. Um, to the other, he wrote to a, a young pastor he was mentoring by the name of Timothy. Uh, Timothy might have had some fear issues. Uh, Timothy was raised by his mother and grandmother. And it seems like uh, Paul's kind of calling out his manhood here uh, as well. So that these, these two verses are going to sound very similar, although they were written at different times to different people. They contain the good news of Christ Jesus and the gospel. So we got to listen. And again, these were written for specific needs and specific times, but because this is God's word, because it's living and true, it's for you. So whoever you are, wherever you've been, God wants to speak to you. So let's listen to God's holy word together. Romans 8, if you don't have your Bibles, no worries. The uh, uh, words will be on the screen or they'll be in your bulletin for you. Romans 8, 15 through 17. Paul writes to those who are in Christ Jesus, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery or bondage to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, such intimate, tender terms. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children... Then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. I want to tell you just one thing on that passage. I'm not going to preach on that today. But did you see what it says about suffering with him? Some of you are suffering right now. Some of you have been suffering for a long time. But I want you to see the beauty of God's word if you're a child of God's. You never suffer alone. The text didn't say you suffer for him. It says that you suffer with him. Whenever God calls you into difficulty, whenever God calls you into brokenness, or maybe it's even the result of your own brokenness, here's some really, really good news. We have one who suffers with us and for us. And we're never alone, even in the midst of our suffering. Isn't that good news? All right, back on task here. Let's go to 2 Timothy 1. I'm going to read verses 6 and 7. For this reason, Paul is writing to Timothy, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is yours through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for this amazing goodness. That you didn't give us a spirit of slavery or a spirit of fear. But God, through the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you've given us a spirit of adoption. That the broken and the sinful like me in Christ Jesus can now have the audacity to call you Abba, Father, the Father of all things. What an amazing good news that is. Father, I thank you that you didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. 
And God, I, I just had to laugh this morning as we sang the songs and they pointed us to the reality of who you are and what you've done. And they've pointed to the reality that we should not fear because you're for us. And yet I even fear standing before these people because I forget. I think it's about me and not you. I think it's about performance and not worshiping you. So God, thanks for loving and forgiving us and forgiving the preacher. Come and speak. May the things that I say that are true and contain the good news of Jesus Christ, would you use those things to make us more like your son, our Savior? The things that I say that are wrong are my opinion. May they just fall away and fall away quickly. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. It was a two-cat scan week in the, uh, our family this week. I uh, don't know last time you had a CAT scan, but for any of us who have been a part of the fraternity and the sorority of cancer, and we go through CAT scans, it's not a very pleasant moment. My sister, who has uh, uh, been battling a, a form of cancer herself, doing well, things flared up, needed a quick CAT scan. My wife, who uh, after the battle of 2009 is now in those regular routines of, of scheduling something called a CAT scan. And it's amazing what that date on the calendar will do to you. It's kind of like this. Hold your breath. Pray like crazy. God, please. No cancer. God, please. Clear scan. And then you get the good news. It was good news on both of my sister and my, and my wife, Katie, that, that the scans were, were clear and there's, there's no cancer there. And, and you just want to say, oh, praise God, hallelujah. And you know what we want to say? Hey, we can really start living now because fear is gone. And now that fear is gone, we can really live. It's kind of interesting. Can you ever really live if you're consumed with fear, fear in living, fear in loving. Uh, they're kind of uh, polar opposites, but we got to take a minute here and digest that a little bit further because scripture says that fear can be both good and bad. Scripture says that, that, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge, Proverbs 1, 7, that we don't get it until we get him. That there's a fear that's actually good. And, and I want to tell you, that fear is, a, is not like uh, that trembling that you see on Lion King when they, uh, the hyenas said the word Mufasa. <laughs> Mufasa. Coward. Oh. It's a fear of there is a God. And he is creator. And he is sustainer. And he is Holy. He is our maker, and we live before him. It's that holy respect that we have for him as he is God. It's a, it's a good fear that we realize that he is holy and, and we are, are sinful. It's interesting, there was a, a cardinal that lived, an English cardinal that lived in the 19th century that said this, fear and love must always be together. Always fear, always love to your dying day. Huh? Especially when you look at texts like 1 John 4.18 that says perfect love drives out fear. What is God saying to us? He says that we should have 
a fear of God and the fact that we, by God's grace, acknowledge who he is and what he has done. But we should not have a fear from him where we live like slaves instead of sons. Now, specifically, this is talking about a, a, a spirit that God gives to us who are his children. We got to take a minute and just unpack that for a minute. Scripture tells us that we are made in his image and we are made for him to know and love him. But scripture also tells us that we, we messed up the story. We rebelled and we, we sinned and, and we wanted to do it our own way. And, and ever since that rebellion, uh, God's wrath has been revealed and, and we've been separated from holy God. And, and, and that corruption of our sin has been passed on to all of us. And it's so bad that we're born with it. And we're just born by nature, children of wrath. And we're born by nature, separated from God. We were born by nature with a, with a spirit of, if there is any a God, we don't care. But God so loves sinners like us. And listen, if you hear nothing else, you got to hear this. That, that God so loves sinners like us, even after we rebelled, he couldn't give up on us. I, I don't get it. I mean, he's holy God. And even though he's all sufficient and he doesn't need us and he's all perfectly contained in and of himself, he still just can't control his love. It lavishes out all over the place. And he's so amazingly loving. He says, I'm going to send my son to come and rescue them. I'm going to to give them life that they can never find on their own. I'm going to clean them up and I'm going to pay a price for them. the the, The most highest price I could ever pay my own son's life. But I'm going to do this so they can have a whole new spirit. I'm going to do this so that they could live in a whole new way. Listen, Jesus came and hung on a cross, not to make us a little bit better, but to make us new. And Jesus came and gave up his life, not not so that things could be a little bit more religious, so that we can have a relationship, a relationship with holy God. And he's saying, now, this gospel, it's the power of God. Now, listen, it's the dynamite of God. It's the dunamis. It's a power of God for salvation of all who believe. The good news of Jesus Christ, of what he has done for us, is this. Is that as we put our faith and trust in him as our Lord and Savior, he makes us a new creation. He separates our sins as far as the east is from the west. He robes us in his righteousness and his beauty. And he calls us his beloved own. It's really amazing. And now he says, I'll be giving you that spirit, that power. And the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. And it gives us the ability to live in a whole new way. And man, is it living. I want to tell you, it's not just like on the cliff. I hope I don't fall over. It's living. And it comes to us. So who has a spirit? It comes to us, those by God's grace who embrace this good news of the gospel. Those that Paul and Timothy and us. If you want to follow in the bulletin, you'll see there's two things I want us to make sure we see. The power to live before God without fear. In Romans 8, 15 through 17, Paul is telling the church in Rome and telling us that there's some wonderful news. That God did not give us in Christ Jesus a spirit of bondage or slavery, of fearing God. That God in Christ Jesus, I mean, his work for us was so good and so effective that we no longer have to live our lives wondering, is God really okay with us? Is God really for us? I mean, does God just have a really big stick that he just can't wait for me to get a little out of line? He's going to whack me with it? You see, that's the spirit of fear and that's the spirit of bondage. But he says, I didn't give that to you. In Christ Jesus, the amazing gift I gave you is a new spirit of adoption. I mean, it's family. It it gives you this ability to go into holy God's presence and say, you ready for this? Scandalous. Abba, Father. 
I mean, the good news of the gospel is that sinners like us can crawl into the God's lap of eternity and be safe and be loved and not have fear. God doesn't want us to cower in his presence. Oh, he wants us to respect him and to know him. But let me tell you about the God who is. He doesn't want you to come into his presence and cower. He wants you to come in and dance and live and love and say, Daddy, you're mine. What an amazing God. It says the Spirit bears witness. The this Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we really are the children of God. And, and if God just called us his children, would we not have reason to celebrate? If Scripture said this, God calls sinners like you and me children. Isn't that a nice title? But he goes on and says, but that's not enough. You are. For God so lavish his love on us that we should not only be called the children of God, but in Christ Jesus, that is what we are. Do you get it? I mean, do you get that freedom? Do you get that joy? Do you get the fact that he doesn't want you to cower in his presence? Do you get the reality that he wants you to be a son and a daughter? I mean, it goes on. I mean, it's just like, God, when are you going to stop? We're not just called your children. We are your children. When are you going to stop? He says, listen, you're an heir. Everything the unique son, the, the beautiful son, the perfect son deserves as the only begotten, as earned as the righteous one. Everything I give to you, my stuff is your stuff. Everything. You're an heir. Don't act like a slave. Act like a son. Act like a daughter. Dance. In that passage in Romans 8, he says this. <laughs> it's amazing. If God is for us, what can be against us? If God is for us, it's basically saying this. <laughs> the God who's in control of all things, is he really for us? Is he, is he for us? Oh yeah, he is. He's provided everything we need for that relationship. Is he really for us? He couldn't do more to prove it. Is he really for us? And if God is for us, who or what can be against us? Who or what can stand against us? Talk about freedom. It goes on to say this. Therefore, if God is for us, and if nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, you know that that's nothing. Nothing can separate those of us, by God's grace that are his, from his love. Not even yourself. This is what it's saying. Not even your past filth, your present filth, your future filth. Not even the demons and the powers and the authorities. There is nothing in this life or the life to come. There is nothing. Do we say nothing? There's nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ Jesus. Don't live like a slave. Don't live before me in fear. Live like a son. I've done so much more of this to keep you from the cliff. I want you to truly live. It goes on also to say, who can accuse us? Who can accuse us? I mean, the, only, the ultimate judge is God, right? And he, he sees all things, knows all things, and he's not. So who can accuse us? And I know you. I know who the biggest accuser in your life is. It's you. It's your stinking mirror. It's all the things you see that are still broken and still undone. And you say, you know what? You're not good enough. You're not worthy. You haven't done enough. If everybody knew the truth about you, you know what that's Satan. And here's what he's saying. Live like a slave. Live like a slave. Live like a slave. And the gospel says, live like a son. Because <laughs> nothing, nothing separates us from the Father's love. Nothing. 
in your life, past, present, and future, if you're his, is going to separate you. It's been done. It's finished. See, it's power to live as a son is this. You're known, even better than yourself before God. You're known, and you're yet you're loved. <laughs> you're a sinner. You are worse than you think. And your thoughts, words, and deeds, just like me, yet you're forgiven. You're weak. <laughs> Man. But through the gospel, you're empowered in Christ Jesus. The power to live before God without fear. Do you have it? Secondly, the power to live for God without fear. I mean, that's the whole deal. We, we are called and created to live in submission to him and on mission for him. If you are his, if he's come and rescued you, he wants to tell his story through you. Your life is something a whole lot bigger than your life. And God calls us his children. He calls us his ambassadors. He calls us his storytellers. And he's empowered us to do it. And he says, I'm going to give you power not to be a coward. Just like you, I don't want you to cower before me. I don't want you to be a coward for me. I want you to go out there and tell the world the truth about who you are and how ridiculously loved you are. But I'm going to give you these things. I'm going to give you power. The power to execute your lives and your callings in a way that's honoring to God. Scripture says we can do all things through Christ. It's amazing. You know what this power really does? The power of the gospel allows you to be you in love with Jesus. What does that mean? You don't have to pretend. You don't have to try to be something you're not. I mean, it gives you such power that that you can be. Listen, you can be. He's going to make you more like him. I mean, I promise you. And, and, and the more you love him, the more you're going to become like him. But, but the power of the gospel allows you to live your life and no longer feeling you've got to pretend to be something else or live behind a mask. The power to be you in love with Jesus because he loves you. He gives us the power to love. I mean, it's the kind of two things there. The power to know who to love and how to love. I mean, who to love. Uh, first and foremost, God. But we love him as father. I mean, we love God. That's why God created us. And he said the greatest commandment is to love me with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the whole thing. And you know what Satan wants to say? I mean, the most important thing is perform, perform, perform. No, the most important thing is love, love, love. And he gives us the power. He gives us the power to love God rightly. The power to love our neighbors is ourselves. Because you know what? We don't need to re- anything from our neighbors because we got it all from God. And, and our neighbors really can't ever separate us from the love of Christ. And, and what God has done for us is enough. And so now I can stoop and love you and you can stoop to love me. We can do it selflessly. Maybe the most amazing power of love is the power to love ourselves. Because he says uh, we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. To love ourselves, to realize, yes, you, you, you're, you're a mess. Yeah, you're broken. <laughs> There's a lot of junk there. But you're loved. And you're forgiven. And in his sight, you're beautiful. So, so what are you going to live? What, how are you going to live your life? And how are you going to see yourself? Are you going to see yourself with all your stuff and all your brokenness and all your trash? Are you going to see yourself in Christ? How are you going to see yourself? Because that's going to determine how you live. Did you hear that? How you see yourself will determine how you live. And Satan wants to show you everything you're not. He wants to show you everything you still fail to be. And he wants to say every time, live like a slave, live like a slave, live like a slave. 
And God says, no, no, no. Live like a son. Live like a son. Live like a daughter. You're mine. Beloved. Forgiven. Free. And now I'm going to empower you to go. He gives us power. Love. How to love selflessly for his glory. He gives us self-control. Love that. Kid me? The gospel says restraint. That God says to us that, that this gospel is such good news. It says it this way, 2 Peter 1. It says that God has given us everything we need for godliness. Everything we need to live a godly life. And I, I'm, I'm wrestling with that one. Because if it's true, man, how come I'm still stumbling and falling? Man, do I just mess it up? But the truth is, in this powerful gospel that has set me free not to cower before God, but to live before him as a son. The truth is, is now we can live for him is even the power for self-control. To live our lives in a way that brings him honor and glory. He cleans us up. The power to really get over our addictions. The power to really become more like him. And don't forget, it is a process. The power of God for salvation. How is it with you? That CAT scan. Oh, God, please. See, there was a CAT scan (laughs) that took place a couple thousand years ago. And the scan of Jesus' body was not good news. It was filled with the cancer of our sin. Jesus' body was filled with the cancer of our sin. And it was so bad, it took his life. It took his life, but there's some ridiculously wonderful good news that, 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 that he overcame even death. He overcame death and, and then he opened up heaven and the tomb was empty. We know that, that the cancer of our sin has been paid for and the CAT scan now says unbelievable miracle is that we're clean. We're clean. We're free. And, and I, I don't, God's saying, I don't care the circumstances of your life. I, I know you're going to have CAT scans in this life. And I know you're going to have scares financially, relationship, and everything else. But I've done it all. You don't have to live one nanosecond. I've come to give you life and life abundantly. I've come to give you just more than just a movie from the edge. I've come so you don't have to cower. I've come so you don't have to be a coward. Come. So you can really live. Are you living with the power before God? Are you living with the power boldly for God? This meal reminds us of the price it costs God to empower us. It's a broken body of a perfect son. It's the blood of God, the righteous lamb. So that we can live our lives as sons before him. And not as cowards for him, but shine in this world. How is it with you? Are you a son or a slave? Are you a coward or are you courageous in Christ Jesus? Let us pray. Father, I I thank you that everything you have required from us is holy, perfect God you have provided for us. And Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus, because 
we have no hope apart from him. And now through him, God, we have the spirit of adoption that we've been made a part of the family. Now through him, we have power and love and self-control. So God, I pray for each one of us here in this room, for those of us by your grace that know the truth of who Jesus is and yet still sometimes live like a slave. God, feed us through this meal. Remind us of the heinousness of our sin as we see the broken bread and the poured out wine. Remind us of the love that you have for us, Father, and the sacrifice of your Son. Remind us that it was enough that now we could live as your sons, empowered to tell your story. God, if there's anyone here who's yet to know you, I pray that today would be the day. That they would fear you in a way that knowing that you are there and have true knowledge in you and your son that will give them life. Come and feed us, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. As the elders come forward, prepare your heart for the Lord's Supper.